Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. Akali Wanda here. And I'm Agard. What up, people? Give thanks for the listening. Give thanks for tuning in to another Reggae Lover Podcast. And big up to all the listeners live right now on NiceUpRadio.com. Yeah, man. And everybody checking us out on all platforms across the world. Today we got a show we want to talk about some of the things going on in the reggae music industry. We do not have a guest. Our topic is going to be kind of centered around the vanity that kind of runs the place right now. And when I say vanity, I'm actually talking not only about braffin and style and fashion and popping bottles and these things, um, um, flashing money and stuff like that and, and brands, but I'm also talking about the industry's reliance on vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar with the term vanity metrics it's really a marketing term and it's something that comes about in the current social media age where people will tell you oh i have 10,000 followers or i got 10,000 likes or i got a million views and you know different things like this which may or may not be real because you know you can you can buy those things now <laughs> yeah man <laughs> you can use bots to create these things. You have hackers that write algorithms and come up with ways to fabricate these numbers. So it's not all the time that, you know, that really means anything. I even got this fake email saying that they could uh, give me a a check, a blue check on Instagram. (laughs) Them type of things going on. So things aren't always as they seem. And a lot of uh, fans of reggae and dance hall get into a thing where they take these numbers and they brag and boast, oh, my artist is doing this and that, so-and-so's running the place, and it's just a very false (laughs) narrative (laughs) that gets created. So we'll get into that um, for the main topic. Um, We do have uh, Buzzworthy and Tastemaker as well. So stay tuned. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Stephens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole, film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there... I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. 
I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. Yeah, man. Okay, so the reason that this topic came up, Agard and I had a conversation about a week or so ago where we talked about Taurus Riley and Shensia's song. Mm-hmm. What's the name? Lighters Up? Lighters? Something. And right now that song is the leading single off Taurus Riley's album, which is entitled Healing. The song is entitled Lighter. Taurus Riley featuring Shansia and Russian. So I guess it's Russian on the production. Yeah, man. The music video came out. The music video got to a million views in the first three days. And I think now it's over four million, four or five million views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So we were having this conversation about how little that actually means in real life and how it doesn't necessarily translate or correlate into any type of sales or streams on other platforms that could be more profitable. Right, or actual album sales. Yeah, exactly. My thing is, I'm not really feeling that song. Agard, have you at least heard the song or, or seen the video in its entirety? I mean, you had good things to say about what you heard. What so, you heard, um, the only thing I did, I, I noticed was obviously there's a media campaign I'm not really up on a lot of Taurus Rally stuff, but I do follow Shensia. Um, she made a challenge, you know, attached to the song, you know, where she displayed her singing ability. And I know we had recorded a conversation last week that we don't, you know, we're re-recording it right now. A little bit inside baseball, how the Sasha's made, all that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so what I said about the song from what I heard was, it seemed like Shensia was heavily auto-tuned, but she can really sing. And those who aren't like don't follow her, you know, might not necessarily know that. But like I've seen clips on on uh, Instagram to where you know she's doing karaoke or she's re-singing over you know a popular R&B song. She has a very good range, very good control. So what she did is the most difficult part of the song. She actually played it on her Instagram and then she sang it a cappella and then challenged people to try to sing that part. Tessan Shin checked in. There was a bunch of fans who, you know, made serious ones and joking ones. You know, it's a good challenge. Um, Up Top Boss, with one of his artists, did like a nice little harmonizing part of it. You know, that's about what I've seen of uh, the engagement in terms of the song. Some of that has come across my timelines. And so I think that that's cool. That's all definitely always good. Those are the types of things that can lead to ultimate sales and, yeah, and longevity of yeah. a project. And you said it's off of Taurus's album, right? Right. Well, you know, that. I think what's happening is, you know, Shensia is, is capitalizing on it. But I don't think it's going to help Taurus at all. 
Why would you say that? Because, I mean, he's not, I don't believe that he's as engaged with his audience. And I think overall, Shensia knows how to really keep engagement going with her audience. Very authentic. She does funny stuff. She does crazy things, you know, not crazy, but, you know, things that kind of peel back the curtain, so to speak. Uh And Taurus, I don't think he's as um, available to his fans. So this goes along with her, you know, um, media campaign. Like she really is media savvy. Uh I'm sure some of that is Ramesh, but her personality, this helps her out. Well, I think that is also giving a strength to Taurus Riley. Yeah, yeah, definitely. At least the single. At least the single. Yeah, because, you know, um, I know we talked about some of the streaming platforms, but, you know, I chose to go on Amazon Music to pre the album again today. And when I did so, you know, their interface will show all the singles on the project and it will have, there's a little bar that kind of indicates the popularity. I think Apple Music does the same thing. Um, that kind of shows the popularity of the songs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And none of the other songs had hardly anything <laughs> next to them. And the one for Lighter was like all the way to the right. Like it was full up, you know, like. So immediately when you pull that up, that's going to speak to you. You're going to probably listen to that song first. So good look right there. You know, uh, I'm glad that the video has a lot of views and, and such. But Jamaica just really focuses on YouTube. The Jamaican mm-hmm. public and then the artists, you know what I'm saying? They focus heavily on the YouTube views, YouTube plays and stuff like that, which, I mean, that's fine. But I think that in reality, that's more of a vanity metric. Yeah, I believe so, too. And the reason why I believe that is not necessarily because of, you know, reasons we've stated before in this show. I think I would point out what's happening to Takashi 69 now. And, you know, I know he's a hip-hop dude, he's a snitch and all that, but it's related. So he gets out of jail, you know, he releases a few tracks, and they have millions upon millions of views on YouTube. You know, he released some signal, signal, singles, excuse me, and, uh, you know, they're in the top 100 on Billboard or whatever. But then he released the album, and... You know, the album sales aren't out yet, but he's projected only to do about fifty-five to 60,000 units in the first week. Now, the reason why I point that out is because he's been releasing content mostly on YouTube and Instagram. And YouTube, like I said, record numbers for his videos, yet when it comes to an album, uh-huh. streams aren't there and the album sales are not going to be there. Okay, so it's the, uh, pretty much the inverse. Um, not, not the inverse. I mean, he's a bigger artist, but what I'm saying is like, yeah, yeah. So YouTube, big numbers, uh-huh. but you know, YouTube is not necessarily going to sustain. It's not, it's not going to build any more wealth for him. Let's just put it that way. He needs sales. He needs more streams. So with that being said, you know, YouTube is something like a, you know, since we're in the age of COVID, it's kind of like going, what what going on tour used to be, right? Going on tour was supposed to be something that was kind of like an advertisement for the project. You're pushing the project that just came out, the album that just came out. And what happened is now going on tour is a major revenue stream. Yeah. But in terms of YouTube, 
um, it's not a major revenue stream yet. It's the least amount that you're getting per play. What is it? Every 1,000 plays, you get a certain amount or something like that, right? Uh-huh. And when it comes to monetization, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a tricky subject, you know, especially when it comes to music on YouTube. So the fact that a lot of dancehall artists, you know, bolster YouTube numbers doesn't really amount to much. And, you know, I'd say according to, you know, Steve Urchin, who we just had on recently, apparently YouTube gets paid out less in Jamaica than it does in the States, for example. Yeah, man. So this conversation is, I'm thinking about it and it's probably going to be a little bit of a downer. So I don't know what we can do about that. <laughs> but Well, I think sometimes we need that conversation to really, I mean, and I'm going to get into more of my opinion later, but. You know, there's certain things that we do as fans, especially in black communities, Caribbean communities, communities across the African diaspora that tell you the truth other communities don't do. Okay. Such as? You want me to get into it? So I just pointed out, um, so we're on a podcast. We're, quote unquote, you know, we're music industry insiders in a sense. We comment on uh, music industry things. So it's in our best interest to know some of the numbers and what's going on in the industry because we comment on it. As such, you know, we have to be informed about what's going on to a certain extent. My issue is that when we look in, you know, hip hop, reggae, you know, even like a lot of black, classically black genres, for some reason we tout these numbers and it's all about this competition of numbers, right? What I notice in, rock and roll, pop, and other classically, quote-unquote, white genres is that you have a fan of an artist and they're excited to hear that artist's music. When that artist has a release, they go out and buy that release yeah, or stream that release because they want to hear what that artist has done. What I've seen a lot in, in especially... Black genres, traditionally black genre. That I have a problem saying that, but I have, I don't have a better term for it, right? Like hip hop, reggae, dancehall, all these things. What we tend to do is we want to know what everybody's thinking. We want to know as fans, right? What everybody's thinking. How's the album? Oh, is it a good album? Before I go and listen to it or purchase it or whatever, we're we're not as loyal fans as a lot of other genres where it's like. When you hear conversations of people who like, for example, classic rock, mm-hmm. you know, and they have debates over this band or that band, which albums were good, which albums weren't so good. Here's the difference. They have all the albums. They're not waiting for somebody to tell them this album's good or this album's not good. They're going to go out, buy the album, check it out, and then history will tell. For us, for some reason, there's this qualifier, you know, is it popular? Is it selling? Um, is it good? Is it bad? Like, yo, just buy it, check it out. And if you don't like it, you never have to listen to it again. If you have the money, go and spend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have the time, go and listen. For, for some reason, we have this strange click, clicky or something. I don't know what to call it, but it's yeah. like we care what other people think about it before we go and consume it. Right. It's kind of a herd mentality. It- I mean, I personally think it's because of slavery. Like, there's a lot of things that happen because of slavery. Like, we, we compete with ourselves, even as fans. 
I'll continue to say this. There's no reason for a fan to care about sales. There's no reason for a fan to debate, debate other fans about popularity or sales or who's better or what. Like, yeah, I get that's in our nature and it's in our culture. But if you're a true fan of an artist, like, for example, when I was younger, I'm, I'm a Sanchez fan, right? Yeah. So when we started a sound system, Sanchez comes out with an LP or a single or whatever, I'm going to go and get it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a little bit different. You're a selector. You get to go to a record store and listen to it before. That's one thing. But, you know, I don't care who likes what. I, I want to get something and be like, okay, there's going to be something on this album that I could play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nowadays, it's kind of like, is it good? You know, they want to hear, you know, all these critiques. They want to see the the media and they want to look on YouTube pages and it's like how important and how valuable is your time that you're wasting so much time looking into whether or not it's good when it's like, yo, just listen to it yourself. If you don't like it, you don't need to go on social media and say, yo, I don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't understand the importance of these things. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I would make a distinction, though, that I don't think that hip-hop has this problem. I think this is a reggae problem because reggae is, you know, 1% of global sales of, yeah. of music, and hip-hop has a huge chunk of that. I don't know the percentage, but it's one of the biggest sellers, you understand, globally. Mm -hmm. And um, it may not be, you know, African-American purchasers, but it's people, it's being supported monetarily right. nevertheless more widely yes whereas i mean our music now yeah we are the ones who will you know when it was tapes it was like yo dub that for me we might purchase a mixtape or purchase a dance on audio you know what i'm saying from the cassette shop back in the day now we're streaming it but we never really were buying everybody wasn't really buying the albums to sit you know have mm -hmm. a collection of the music so i think you're right you know nowadays it's where people care more about the likes and you know what's published as the streams and the views and all these kind of things and it is like that follower like pack mentality you know like if except if this and that person say it's good then i'll get it and i think you know, to what you said about slavery, it's the stigma of not wanting to be feeling like you're different because being different is such a bad thing, you know, in that, yeah. with that mentality, it's like, if there's any difference at all whatsoever, it's a reason for us to not be cool, for us to pretty much fight <laughs> or be at war or for me to put you down, you to put me down. It's a very it's a very immature mentality, but it's a mentality that pervades and you know, I think it, it goes along with uh with our people and that probably has a lot to do with some of the, the ways that we respond and, and react and interact with the music, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that it's much more of a a widespread problem in reggae. Um, I would say this though, I think that the hip hop culture has proliferated this whole thing of first week sales. You know, they don't do that in pop music, right? I don't know um, though. I think the, the media, his, 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 I think that that's the media's job. I think that's what the media does. But it's, but it's mostly but fans. Like you saying, like fans are supposed to just, yo, 
Taurus rally is dropping. Yo, on the day it comes out, I'm getting it. And then I'll yeah. listen to it. And then if I like it or not, I can say at that point. But I've already done my job. I've already bought it. You understand? Mm-hmm. And when I see the concert advertised, yo, I'm buying my tickets. And I'm yeah. going to go. And I'll go to all of his concerts. And I can say which ones I had a better time at. But the point was that I already invested. Yo, let's be real. I'm going to be all the way real. And this just occurred to me. And I think it's so true. I've heard a lot of commentary on what's the problem. Why aren't reggae artists being streamed more? Why aren't they selling more? Why isn't there more support? And a lot of, like, I've done it in the past. I've blamed the business of it. Okay, that's part of it. Some people blame the fans, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's all valid. But I'm going to be all the way real if I zoom out. Yo, reggae is a bootleg culture. Seriously, it's a bootleg culture. You know, what What I'm saying is like, okay, now we're in the digital age. Fine. We're in the digital age. When Buju's album came out, I didn't listen to it on any service. I got the album sent to me. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I downloaded and listened to it in my own thing that counts for nothing. I paid for nothing. I stream nothing, you know what I'm saying? Um, what I'm saying is when, before the digital era, when there was LPs, when there were CDs, when there were cassettes, nobody, like a vast majority of the people, yes, sales were probably higher overall for reggae, but a vast majority of the people were consuming it through sound system, yep. sound system mixes. Yep. You know, we used to make mixes like, you know, selective sound systems, DJs, you know, a little bit of radio. There was a lot of white label stuff going on, a lot of bootleg stuff going on. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like people, for example, you know, a lot of anthology type content, like you buy a garnet silk like tape or CD, and it was like a sound system that mixed it. What I'm trying to say is we have a bootleg culture, you know, in terms of reggae music. You know, we've never gotten used to going to a record shop or going to a store and supporting. A lot of the people who bought those albums legit were either sound systems, uh-huh. which sometimes were getting it for free because they were on record in record pools or something like that, or hobbyists, you know, who, 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 who had a component system or co- collectors. It was never widespread in the culture. Like... People bought records in the reggae community when they had a system, however big or small, to play those records on. And I think nowadays that's what we're suffering from. Yeah. You know, because even now, most of these DJs out here, if they're not connected and if they're not getting stuff sent to them, they're going on YouTube and uh, ripping it. Yeah. You might pay money to a record pool. You might be getting a high quality file, but that record pool is probably not giving royalties to those artists. It counts for nothing. Right. So the expectation that it would get better with the technological advance is just, there's just no, absolutely no way. You know, I'm thinking back to back in the days, right? I feel like a lot of Jamaican people in Jamaica, when they did buy records, they were buying American records. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
They were buying The Temptations, you know, After Seven, Celine Dion, Bobby Brown. Those are the type of collections I feel like people were building up. People that had record collection and record players and stuff like that in Jamaica back in the day. I feel like it wasn't even necessarily reggae that they were beating, that they were listening to, that they were like buying like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it goes to, um, again, another Steve Urchin reference, what he was saying about why there's not, you know, prior to COVID, obviously, Mm -hmm. why there wasn't a lot of live music being proliferated throughout Kingston. Mm -hmm. Because it's so common, it's so available, that it's almost thrown away. You know what I mean? It's almost not respected because it's right in your face. When you and I have gone to different places in the world to where, you know, they follow reggae with a cult-like, you know, fascination. You know, not only that, when I was in Japan, I was in Japan from, let's say, 01 to 05. There were certain selectors, Japanese selectors, that this was the time of CD going into the days, going into you know, the digital age, right? Well, more digital, computer stuff. And they refused to not play vinyl. Right. Like, they, they wanted to keep on playing vinyl. They were like, there's, there's no way I'm not going to play vinyl. Right. Whereas in the States, it was already a foregone conclusion. Like, everybody was already on CDs. You know, everybody's burning all their LP to CDs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think where, in Jamaica, at, they transitioned... Yeah to digital faster like yeah than even in america you know what i'm saying like the sound systems in jamaica they were all on cd and then when final scratch came out like they you know the ones that continued on that didn't just park up they got rid of records right. real quick like they couldn't wait yeah <laughs> not only that like i mean you noticed it with the technology the closest you know closest in america to jamaica is south florida and those were also the DJs like Black Chiny, you know, Poison or Kirky C. They were the ones who were using the Acid Pro and all that. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they had the latest Real technology. Cool to make all the mixes and all of that. So, yeah. I mean, not only that, like at a time when Serato was the thing to have, you know, a laptop and, you know, you had to have a Serato box and all this and that. And DJs in Jamaica were known for virtual dj yeah they were doing away with a lot of the hardware and just djing within the computer and it was crazy you know what i mean like you know (laughs) it looked like somebody was hacking inside the dance hall but the vibes are crazy like they 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 totally rocked virtual dj you know what i mean that's one thing i gotta give jamaica credit for man in terms of like technology and the music they've always been pioneering the technology, man, from the days yeah. of Lee Scratch and King Tubby's and, you know what I'm saying, like the original dub masters, you know what I mean? Like they've been pushing boundaries as where it came to technology, you know what I'm saying, King Jammy right. and, and all that. So, I mean, with that being said, though, in terms of reggae, in terms of in the Caribbean, especially Jamaica, it was never about consumerism. It was about the culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But now it's coming back to bite it in the butt because without the consumerism, it can possibly it, it's it's niche. It's relegated to people will obviously still make music, but it's not going to be dominant. 
Well, you know what I mean? Look, it's con- it's still consumerism because the music is still getting consumed. It's just well, I that mean the, in the terms dollars, of buying. The, you know, ec- economics, the, the economics of it, you know, there are ro- roadblocks there where artists are not able to really make that coin off of their work the way that, you know, you would want to see it happen. And, you know, we talk a lot about the need for development of a healthy overall ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, we're a part of that ecosystem. You have podcasts, you have you have radio, you have sound system, you're supposed to have, you know, photographers, videographers, writers, production people, you know, all types of the different layers of people that work on the business end, you know. And then, then, then of course, you have the artists too <laughs> and the musicians. And it's supposed to be where there's places and there's ways for loads of people to eat a food with all this music that's coming out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like a healthy industry. That would be the goal. So I wanted to talk okay. about my lack of excitement right now. We're in COVID. Touring is still not going on, right? For the mm-hmm. most part. Um, there's some dance hall stuff, some clubs, some parties stuff going on now. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to those events. And a lot of people who are like-minded are not going to step out to a into a dance right now with the pandemic in full swing. You know, there's some people that are going to do it, mm-hmm. but I think most people are probably going to stay away for a good little while now. So we're not getting, like we talked about, the first time we're hearing a lot of this music is just on the computer, or on the phone, maybe on the TV, but it's not in the dance. So we're not getting the sounds, you know, the sound system element is kind of being phased out in a way. Sound clashes mm-hmm. aren't going on. Sound clashes used to drive new music into people's ears, get new music on people's radar. I guess sounds weren't doing that for a while before even the pandemic shut things yeah, down. Yeah, I was about to ask you what <laughs> decade you're talking about. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be. So, you know, earlier in the summer, I was excited about some of the releases that are now out. Enough props out to the Indignation Collective. Protégé dropped an album. Savannah's EP is out. Leela IK was a treat, right? Mm-hmm. There have been a few other albums to have come out. Buju, of course, dropped, which is great. You know what I'm saying? I'm loving a lot of that music. But compared to what we're used to, you know, last year or the year before or whatever this time, it's just like a certain emptiness <laughs> right now, bro. It's like there's nothing to look forward to, man. You know, listeners, let me know if I'm missing something, if there's something that I'm not paying attention to that I should be. But I'm just feeling like like there's just like there's just no energy right now. There's no vibes. Yeah, man, it's it's hard to build up a movement, you know, whether you're an established artist or a new up and coming artist, one hundred percent online. You can't fake those vibes you can't fake the vibes of a concert you can't fake the vibes of a live performance or a party you know what i mean like you can't fake those vibes you know even if um we might not be able to go to everything like there might be a festival somewhere and you know we've we've seen that before like yo when like on stage does like the coverage of jam rock or you have a bunch of videos coming out from something in europe you know what I mean? Or 
you know, I guess around now, would it be time for one, two, three, Badadan or some of those European festivals? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of stuff that you cannot fake. You know, you can't re, you can't, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, recreate it online. Yeah. So I think, I think what you're feeling is natural. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, all we have to do is, we, we, well, all we can do is wait it out. Now, I would like to say this, though, even though that's the case, you know, and even though there's a good amount of music that continues to come out, mm-hmm. I think there should be much more. If you're not able to see your fans, you should be over in inundating them with all types of content. Yeah. Not only music, lives. Like I mentioned Shensia earlier. Yeah. That's one thing about her. Like her or not, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you think her music or her look is about or whatever, you know what's going on in her life. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on with her son. You know what's going on with her family. You know what I'm saying? You know when she's sad. You know when she's happy. Similar um, Jada Kingdom. Like her or not, you're getting content from her. Right. Right now, she's on this relationship kick. So she's mentioning her, her man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like it or not, that's those are the times that we're in. You know, one of the biggest, and I know I'm, I'm keeping it on the ladies, you know, one of the biggest artists right now out of Jamaica, you know, who keeps on, I guess, propagating herself throughout social media and different forms of media is Spice. Yeah. You know, why is Spice so popular? Not only when when there were stage shows, she had an impeccable stage show, stage presence, she's talented. She made a deal. She was on Love and Hip Hop. You know what I'm saying? She has social media campaigns. That's another thing about our culture. Like, we started talking about vanity, vanity metrics, right? Right. That was the term? Yep. The thing about it is, look, I'm going to be quite honest with you. For a brief period of time, I did a little bit of social media marketing. I built up my following. You know, between my two accounts on Instagram, I think I have thirteen or 14,000 followers. What does that mean to me? absolutely nothing you know why because i understand that like i've made a decision not to fully engage those people right so i may have those followers but my engagement is way low Uh and the reason why i bring that up is because Uh artists need to understand especially reggae artists need to understand this day and age you know your engagement with your fans that's your currency that's the real metric um let's talk about someone outside of the reggae community ryan leslie okay you don't remember ryan leslie right the name sounds familiar (laughs) okay he produced um cassie's hit song that everybody keeps on remixing every single year meteoric hit okay whatever so you know he's uh I believe a Harvard grad or whatever. He was a, he was like a little, he, I wouldn't call him a super producer, but he was like in that circle mm-hmm. for a while. You know, the Kanye's and the dreams and you know what I'm saying? He was a sought after producer mm-hmm. and, but he's always let technology guide him. What he did earlier out is he figured out a system to figure out every single fan that buys something of his whether it be a song, a piece of merchandise, a concert ticket. He has his own economic ecosystem. Mm. He knows who's his number one fan, literally, on paper. Mm -hmm. 
And he offers those fans, those elite fans, certain experiences. You know what I'm saying? Because he knows his audience. Okay. Okay? You know, he's not on our radar because, I mean, he's totally independent. So whatever show he puts on anywhere in the world, he gets all the revenue because he's totally independent. But he's making a lot more every year than some of the biggest reggae artists. You know what I'm saying? He's an he's a R&B dude. The reason why I bring that up is because he decided through technology to have metrics on who his fans are, whether you buy a t-shirt or you buy a $5,000 experience with him. He knows your name. He knows how to get in touch with you. You know, there's, there's these celebrity things right now where you could text celebrities. Mm-hmm. He was one of the pioneers of that to where he was actually texting back and forth with his fans. Now, I bring that all up to say, F being cool right now if you're an artist in the reggae industry. You could be cool, but you have to understand something. The 90s are... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Gone. The days of putting artists on a pedestal, I think, are gone. Right now, it's the other way around. The pyramid is on its head. The most important person is the fan. And I think a lot of regular artists don't understand that. Okay. They don't understand it yet because they're thinking... I got a bad song. I'm cool. I have this many plays on YouTube. That means I'm popular. But it amounts to nothing because they cannot monetize, you know what I'm saying, appropriately, the talent. There's no question about it. The talent's there. But how engaged are you with your fans? That, that makes a lot of good sense, bro. You know what I'm saying? Because I know, man. I didn't go to school for this, but I pay attention to a lot of this stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, you and I both kind of study... You know, we, we have, you know, taken certain case studies over the years, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, when it comes to this entertainment thing. So, you know, that Ryan Leslie is a great example. But if you look at any of the successful people who have seemingly, they blew up, they came out of nowhere, they're everywhere you look, they, you know, you see the results, right? Mm-hmm. If it's within the last 10 to 15 years, that what you're talking about, they're I'm telling you, it plays a big part of it. You have to be connected to the streets, for lack of a better word. You know what I'm saying? Like no, it's you have truth. to be, you know, I, I, you know, look at uh, people like Kevin Hart, for example. Great example. He fits everything I just said. Yeah, man. Dude just blew up, right? But some of the fundamental things that he was doing when he was up and coming and starting to get booked on shows, he would go on social media whether it's MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the platform is at the time, and message people. He also built his own email list so that he could have direct contact with his fans mm-hmm. in different markets and kept up with all those, you know, all that data over time and built relationships when he didn't have to. He was getting paid, he was getting flown in. You know what I'm saying? His profile was rising. But he didn't leave it up to the so-called promoters or the views or the likes or 
any of that stuff. And I think that that type of work, to your point, probably, I don't know what everybody does. You know, I don't study to everyone. But that kind of uh, engagement and outreach to the community and to the fans is probably like really missing, really lacking in our reggae world. And maybe that's why I'm feeling so, so dang (laughs) dejected right now. Like, damn, there's nothing to look forward to. There's no vibes. There's nothing going on. I'm saying like, what is this? Because nobody's talking to you. Nobody's talking to their fans. Nobody like, and we have a few, there's a few. And we have a podcast. This is the thing. This is the reggae lover podcast. And I'll tell you, my bad. You know, we never intended to for this show to be like an all out. Every episode is interviews. Every ep- every episode is interviews. We always wanted to balance it. Shows such as this one where we break down some topics and then we have some guests sometimes. You know what I mean? But you would think that everybody would be flocking to platforms such as podcasts right now where they have the opportunity to speak directly to fans around the world and go in depth, you know what I'm saying? And engage with people. You would think that we would be turning people away left and right with the platform that we have. It's like people, people are that busy. Like, yo, you're that busy right now. It's COVID. You don't have nothing coming out. You're not flying nowhere. You're not touring nowhere. You're not performing nowhere. Dude, you're giving them too much credit. You're much more optimistic than I am about um, people being aware of this type of platform. You're giving them too much credit. Well, no. Well, I'm not saying that, they, that they're that they aware. I'm saying that the problem is that they're not aware. And I'm not yes. just saying, you know, there's other podcasts out there. You know, we've had pretty much all the podcasters <laughs> on the show. And I don't see all of them flexing, you know what I'm saying, having all the artists on their shows either. Whoever's listening to the show who's in the industry, if you're attached to artists, I'm going to let you know this. During the time of COVID, you know, if you look at cable TV, there's certain cable channels that don't have enough commercials to run. They, they literally have like spots where there's no commercials, where you just see the station identification. If you listen to radio, terrestrial radio is not declining in any which way or form, but you know, there's, there's less advertisers because the economy right now, in the States at least, is horrible, okay? During this time, podcast ad sales continue to rise. You have billions of dollars being spent by Spotify, Apple, Pandora, Amazon, all of the major companies in the media and tech industry are making hard investments. And I'm not, when I say hard, I mean hundreds record of industry, of hundreds of millions of dollars. Matter of fact, multi-year a contract. Few, Joe Rogan, $100 million. Bill Simmons, $250 million. You know what I'm saying? To name a few. Okay? I want to tell anybody attached to any artist any so-called influencer in the reggae industry right now. Yeah, it's cool. Listen to your internet radio. Listen to your um, terrestrial radio. There's a reason why people are making crazy investments into podcasts right now. If Kalia Online were to take a screenshot of how our Spotify chart looks right now, 
it's it's like Everest. We haven't gotten to the peak yet. It keeps on going up all across the world. And the reason why I'm saying this is not to big up our show. It's to say that for all the ingenuity when it comes to music production and the ingenuity when it comes to lyricism and all types of cool stuff when it comes to being in front of the microphone from artists and producers and engineers and musicians, we are drastically, and I say we because I'm part of the reggae community, I don't care what you say, we are drastically behind the power curve consistently throughout history when it comes to making calls as to where it is that we need to be getting our audience. All of those traditional terrestrial radio and internet radio, yes, those are staples in the reggae community. However, people are baffled, including myself, as to how it is that before COVID, these bands in California are having multi-million dollar tours. Here's how they're doing it. They're engaging with their fans and they're finding every which way, every which platform that's available to them. There's, there's something called new media, okay? New media is outside of television. It's outside of radio. You know what I'm saying? New media. You know, social media used to be considered new media, okay? There, there are marketing executives that solely concentrate on new media. And I know I need to, I need to get this off my chest, because we've talked about vaguely the business, right? And people in the reggae industry need to better their business. Here's the thing. The business is running away from you because you don't know where it is that you need to have your artists sit in front of their audience. This is the best time than ever. Here's a silver lining with a global pandemic. You can speak to your fans directly. They can figure out more about you. And then after this is done, they're going to be loyal to you. And podcasts is where that's happening. That's my little rant. But it's a big reasoning. You know what I'm saying? So can't go on and on about this. You know, I wanted to just, because I don't, I don't think I, do I follow popcorn? Do you follow popcorn on? Yes, I do. Well, you know, big old to Poppy, you know, he's been, he's been doing a good job, I think, of. Yes, long time playing the social media game and um, interacting with his fans, if you will. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I guess somebody, a fan made a meme and they were, it was bigging up popcorn and it had like four pictures in a grid and, you know, it's popcorn next to Meek Mill in one, popcorn next to J. Cole in another one, him and Drake and um, what's the guy, the tattoo net guy with the quarantine radio? Oh, uh, Tory Lanez? Yeah, that guy. In that picture, and then him, dude, with, who's about to be deported, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then him with some other, um, I guess some other rapper in the next picture, and you know, speaking up popcorn for, for that, you know, um, and then a lot of fans were like, yo, saying how Pop Poppy is just a groupie and this and that, you know, dissing them in the same vein. So, you know, I mean, it's like, yo, you cannot win with this culture, bro, but. You got to know what, what's best for you. Chart your course and just follow that, you know. Um, don't worry about the haters and the naysayers. And, um, yeah, man. Because they're never, they're always going to be there. Bad mind is always active and it's going to be active. And now it's, it's interactive on the internet. Definitely. You know, it's one thing to debate whether or not 
you know, those pictures are with other people and those connections mean anything for your career. That's one thing. You know, that's that's a debate. You know, I'm a commentary a commentator on the, the culture. That's that's a relevant debate. It's another thing to say he's a groupie. Like, damn, dude, like Yo, really? that's hate, son. That's the definition of hate. Yo, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like and player I can't hating. say it's it's uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is so crazy because with any any other genre of music or any other place, I feel like that's social currency. That's exactly you what know, you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's social currency. That's the one. That's it's credibility. I don't know. We could we could we could call, talk to Neil or we could talk to Steve or we could talk to a list of other people. Right. That's one of the first things you do with artists. But any you know, any pro- it, any product. Yeah, yo, you get they them created in the, room the Beats with headphones. Other it's like, yo, how do we sell this? We put it on the famous person's head and take a picture. <laughs> you know, that's why that's why rappers do collaborations. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there's there's social currency there. You know what I mean? We gotta yeah, hear man. your 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 opinions on these topics, please. Don't just glance over this. Um, yeah, I'm thankful that you're listening, but uh, we really want to know what you're vibing when you listen to this. You know what I'm saying? Are we striking any notes? Are you alive out there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know you have an opinion, so share it with us. We'll, more, we'll definitely talk about it. If you share it, you can email, you can comment on social, all the different ways in which you can interact. And you know what I mean, we welcome that dialogue. We're passionate about this and you know what I mean? Menon said if you consider yourself a reggae lover, well that's right where you should be as well. I think this podcast shows like a evolution for me in terms of my mindset. And I just wanna say something that I've been thinking about lately. And here's here it is. Like I really I want to, I don't really want to have the conversation. We probably will have these conversations, but I don't want to have a conversation over what artists are doing right and wrong in terms of creativity. I'm I'm more concerned about the business, the fan engagement. What are you doing? You know, you can be a really raunchy artist in public and have a great team behind you that's pushing you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to stop having the debates of, Who's doing what and why they need to do it and who who needs to do whatever different. I think every single genre has every type of artist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're free not to like those artists. But like, for example, I don't know, Tommy Lee, right? Yeah. Tommy Lee came out demon, devil worship, you know, type of imagery and all of that. And everybody was shocked and like, yo, what is this? And I could care less. In it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say, yo, Tommy Lee, you don't need to do that. Maybe that's him. Okay. And let, and the marketplace will show whether or not that's popular or not. You know? What has the marketplace um, shown? I mean, the marketplace shows that that's very insular. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I, I don't know if Tommy Lee is touring the world when he's no, not in jail. No, I mean, he but, is still around, which but what I'm says saying a lot is this. in itself. Though what it's I'm saying insular. is this. Yes. When I'm talking about the point that I've come to, to where it's like every genre, every region is going to have all types of artists. You know what I'm saying? In America, that like Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie, you know what I'm saying? These types of people, they have their fans, they sell, 
you know, or insane clown posse, you know, these outlandish acts, you know, that are relegated to whatever it is their fan base is. You know what I'm saying? They're allowed to make money, but they're not mainstream. I think in reggae music, we far too often waste time debating what artists shouldn't be, should and shouldn't be putting out. And I'm tired of it. I think we should put forward what we like and what we promote. But I'm tired of saying, well, there's too much of this and there's not enough of that. And, yo, I think it's a giant waste of time. And it goes along with what I said before about the fans. Like who you like, don't like who you don't like. Support who you like. And, you know, I'm not going to get people to stop talking about who they don't like. But it's like, it's it's all irrelevant. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say, all right, I'm going to push somebody's music that I don't like just to push reggae music. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to push whatever it is I like, and then whoever I don't like, like, yo, I don't like that. That's fine. I'm not hating. I just don't like it. But we need to stop these debates and really, especially us who are commentators, I feel like we need to push what we we want to push and just leave it at that. Like, if somebody loves Tommy Lee and they have a podcast or a radio show and they want to play a million of his dubs and his songs, great. You know what I'm saying? Give that give your artists a strength. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just tired of like these debates of like what's going on in the music and you know, I mean, up until recently I think I was probably one of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now I've seen now I'm seeing things unfold. And I'm like, "All right, some things aren't for me, but I could care less. It's not hurting the music. It's not because for example, those artists who are insular they have a lot of fans in Jamaica. They're local artists. They'll have what they have, but it's not hurting reggae globally. I would like to see a lot more balance and a lot more business. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I, I personally am going to try to stop, you know what I'm saying, highlighting the nonsense mm. because my nonsense is somebody else's, you know, they love it. It's yeah. helping them through something. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah, man. You know, music and, and entertainment is an interesting thing, man. The example you gave earlier, the, you know, the Takashi guy mm-hmm. in the hip-hop world, you know what I'm saying? He's selling a lot of records. One way or another, him and whoever people that are like him have people's attention right now. Yeah. And with that world, it's the more shocking you are. There's a word that I heard 50 Cent use. The word is damaged. People like that's what people are into. If you're taking the time out to bleach your face, tattoo your face and your neck, you know, mutilate yourself, and then you come out as an artist and you're singing about sadistic things and death, apparently that's what people like, okay? <laughs> some <laughs> like, some people, yes. No, but I, yes, but you know what I'm saying? Like, those are the hottest people right now selling the records, it's even translated a few years ago over into hip, um, like into pop, where a lot of the songs, you really pre them, is very depressing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is what the young people are digging, yo. Yeah. That's selling, right? Yeah. Juice World and Triple X, whatever his name was. I don't know who they are. All I know yeah. is that it transplanted over to Kingston and Jamaica. And you know what I'm saying? Oh, Uzi Vert, All My Friends Are Dead. Montego Bay. And this is what is being reflected in dance hall to a degree. You understand? Six, you know, a lot of their stuff, six, 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 and 
I don't know. You know, like you said, Tommy Lee. So, you know, we'll see where all of that goes. But I I mean, I totally agree with you, man. Like, yeah, I think part of the problem and I don't want to just I don't want to beat up on the fans because it's a bigger fight. It's a cultural thing, as we already pinpointed, that goes all the way back (laughs) to like a colonial or slavery, you know, kind of brainwashing um, Mm -hmm. and that system and that mindset. So, you know, there's some big ass hurdles. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I think we're we going to continue doing what we do, trying to be better as podcasters, as media. And one of, one of the biggest podcasters right now, Joe Budden, I like how he put this a, a week or two ago. He said, you know, especially now we're talking about Takashi and these people. He said that there's certain, like if hip hop was a club, okay, but let me paraphrase. If reggae was a club, you know what I'm saying? There's certain parts of the club we don't go in. We stick to our part of the club. We know the other part exists, but we don't have to go over there. They're doing fine, doing whatever they're doing over there, entertaining themselves. You know what I'm saying? We stay in our part of the club, and that's perfectly fine. You know, like, like you know, somebody like uh, like Jillionaire said, Chris, you know, what he said was like, look, look, you know, he stopped listening to Soundclash when it stopped being for him. Right. It's perfectly fine that it continues, but it's not for him anymore. I believe everybody said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people our age said that. But um, but yeah, that's just how it is, you know. And when it comes to bringing it back to the main topic, I mean, I, I think all of this is kind of connected. You know, when it comes to this vanity metrics thing, what it's doing, it's propping up something to make it seem like it's still going when it's it's kind of really it's on life support. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. I, look, look, at this point I, I, look, we can get back to positivity and and, and we'll you know be what I'm saying? Back to positivity next week. <laughs> next week, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the reality. I mean, is this is the reality. Like, oh, yo, that's what corona's done for me, dude. Like <laughs> It's it's taking a lot of, like, I'm disillusioned, like, no, like, you know, what's happening is happening. Yeah. And we need to start accepting what's happening, yeah. you know, but that doesn't mean we have to be doom and gloom. Nah. We could still just celebrate what we celebrate. Yo, you know what? I think that's a good place to leave off on yeah, this man. conversation. Um, I do want to say that uh, if you're in America and you have citizenship, or whatever constitutes the right to vote, you need to make sure that you vote. Yeah, man. If you're on, if you're friends with me or you know me personally, if you're on my social media, trust me, if I find out that you didn't vote, I'm gonna like, I'm probably gonna block you. <laughs> I'm probably not just gonna unfollow you. It's like, oh, you know, like if I could, I'll pr- I might wanna fight you. Cause that's how serious this thing is in 2020. If you really knew the history behind this, You'll know how many black women got raped, how many people got lynched, how many kids got like literally beaten to death just for trying to register to vote, just for registering, just for knowing and thinking that they had, just to, for believing that they had the ability to do better or to change their circumstances, the ability to consider themselves equal to the next man yo i think i I think that's about it 
<laughs> Do I need to go further? Uh, I'll, well, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it a step further. What I'm about to say is the views of Agard and Agard alone. I don't speak for Khalil when I say this. Don't only vote. Whether you're Republican, Independent, uh, Libertarian, Democrat, I'm gonna tell you straight up: if you're in America, vote for Joe Biden. That's it. You know, I, I'm gonna take it. F just voting. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever political party affiliation you belong to, the right choice is Joe Biden. Okay, that's that's what I'm gonna say. That's my view. That's my view alone. You can send hate mail to A-O-A-G-A-R-D at gmail.com. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, that's what I'm going to say. F just voting. If you if you are a citizen of the United States or you have the right to vote in the United States, that's who you got to vote for. That's it. That's, that's what I'm going to say. And once we get back to a little bit of normalcy, I'll be back in my independent, balanced role. But right now... The Constitution and the country is at stake. So you got to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's it. Nah, I mean, I'll just add in like Joseph Biden is not a friend of mine personally. And Kamala Harris, you know, she I don't even think she I'm sure she does not identify as black and doesn't want to be claimed as such. But regardless of that, you know, (laughs) okay. Still, what Agard said is relevant. It's it's definitely a critical time in history where you going to the polls and voting for the lesser of two evils in the general election in November is it's a big deal. It's it's literally it's going to be life or death. It's going to mean life or death for a lot of people. And for my non-black listeners, that's been every election for every black person since we could vote the lesser of two evils that's been every single election you know so uh people who are not black welcome to our world (laughs) all right so into the buzzworthy we go (laughs) yo um want to say that uh i'm sure you've heard by now that we lost the person that came up with the word reggae and has been credited with many accolades through a long career in the business. Toots Hibbert passed away, 77 years old. Mm-hmm. He was awaiting a COVID result. You know, I neglected to talk about this previously on the show, but, you know, we were made aware that he was in intensive care and then uh, went into a medically induced coma um, and was awaiting a COVID test result that he actually and he transitioned prior to those results coming back so we can't confirm whether or not it was absolutely covid related but definitely my thoughts and prayers go out to his family he had children he had a wife they were married for i believe 35 years which is which is awesome and of course all the things that he was able to achieve in the reggae industry and in music world you know billboard did a big um, feature on him so did rolling stone magazine chris blackwell you know just many dignitaries in the music industry um i believe he his songs were playing as at, at during nfl games as they were going to commercials cnn has covered this you know huge huge uh loss 
Yeah, man. RIP to Toots. And yeah, prayers go out to his family and loved ones. Yeah, I was actually, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I was I was a little bit, you know, surprised, well, surprised that how many people on my timeline who, you know, really don't have a big connection to reggae music, you know what I'm saying, how hard they took this, you know what I mean? Like, he touched a lot of people, and that was pretty evident, you know, a lot of people credit him, like you said, with the foundation of a lot of other genres, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. you know, we give Lee Scratch Perry his props and, you know, Toots is one of those people that, you know, went across like the world, you know, just the entire world mourns um, his loss. So, you know, prayers for his family and loved ones. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, I was meaning to do a, a full review of Taurus Riley's healing album which is a recently released 2020 project produced by Jukebox Productions and distributed by Kojak Worldwide. So again, it's Healing from Taurus Riley, 12 tracks, right? About a week ago, if you would have asked me my rating of the album, I would have said 6 out of 10. But tonight, I've bumped it up to 7 out of 10. So it's definitely worth a listen. I know for some people, they'll rate it much higher. It really depends on what you're looking for, right? So mm -hmm. um, we talked about the song with Shensia on there. I think the subject matter um, tackled in a lot of the songs is really significant. I wasn't a fan of all of the production in terms of the, the type of um, the vibe, the energy, the rhythms selection mm -hmm. on all of the songs. So I would list the song with TJ featuring uh, Taurus Riley featuring TJ and Dean Frazier. Mm hmm which is just crazy. You know, he went for a lot of the dance hall people on this album. So, uh, Conscience is on there. Also, Dexadaps is on the album. Got a couple tracks with Dean Frazier. But this one called Babylon Warfare featuring TJ. I really like that one. I like the rhythm. Most things featuring Dean Frazier playing saxophone and, and production is are, are good. So, this is no different. Mm -hmm. And TJ, you know, it's got a great verse there. Just talking about the things that he sees going on in Montego Bay, where he's from, which is, you know, state of emergency for a long time due to the crime yeah. rates. And um, so I recommend that one, Babylon Warfare, that will be added to the Tastemaker playlist. That's my really my Tastemaker for this week. I'll also give a mention to Bujabantan, who released a pack, a, a remix pack, four remixes of Blessed. So I think Blessed has been emerged as the fan favorite. Um, in terms of the singles off of the Upside Down 2020 album. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So four remixes. There's one featuring Pato Bantan. There's a Latin one featuring a Latin artist by the name of Faruco. Mm -hmm. There's a version that's it's the Giovanni and Pinwheel remix. And that's kind of like an EDM. So you have like an Afrobeat sounding one, a Latin sounding one. You have an EDM version, club version. And then the hip hop remix features Fabulous and Jadakiss. Two dope rappers. Yeah, you already know the production, the beat. I was told it's the bagpipe rhythm. Thank you, Ras Jamal. <laughs> Big up yourself. Already a bad song. Now you have some some remixes to check out as well. Um, definitely give that a listen. My favorite is the one with Fabulous and Jada. Um, I respect both of those rappers. So, yeah. All right, that. Yeah, man. 
So we're going to invite you again to comment and let us know your feedback on this topic as we discussed today. It's info at regulover.com or you could email regulloverpodcast at gmail.com. My Instagram is at Khalil Wanda. Of course, there's also at regulloverpodcast on Instagram. Mine is A-O-A-G-A-R-D, if anybody cares. <laughs> That's about the time for today. We'll, we'll, we'll back to sunshine in a little bit next week. <laughs> we'll see. Word. All right, y'all. Have a good week. Bless. Peace. Reggae Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit ReggaeLover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at reggaelover.com. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Podcast. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I'll tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm -hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there... I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley.